They wish to meet you complete. Sorry, we're closing for lunch. Never mind that, my lad. I wish to complain about this parrot what I purchased not half an hour ago from this very boutique. Oh, yes, the Norwegian blue. What's wrong with it? I'll tell you what's wrong with it. It's dead. That's what's wrong with it. There was a precedence in the 1990s who people are generally superstitious and afraid to mention his name because they, they, they fear that brings bad luck. They say if you say the name Carlos Menem, then you have to touch your left testicle or something. No, I don't know what. Uh, uh, because, uh, so that something doesn't collapse or go wrong. And during the 1990s, he was, you know, the mirror image of Clinton. So mm -hmm. he was the Peronists from the provinces who decided to do mass privatization of national enterprises. He was democratically elected. He was a popular neoliberal. And so he introduced his neoliberal policies. And at first the middle class loved him because he was very charming. Um, he also allowed Madonna to use the presidential palace to film the, the Evita film. And man, then, uh, uh, he also sold weapons. Uh, he sold much of the country, the railway, he sold off the railway systems. Now Argentinians get around in buses. Even though it's an enormous country, we have a British-made railway system just like India. But Menem, um, he seduced and entranced the middle class with this story that we were doing so well because of these privatizations that the Argentinian peso was worth just as much as the dollar. One peso was supposedly one U.S. dollar. And so people started to, to spend a lot uh, on, on, and to, to get into a huge amount of debt. And he, it was a lie. It was a lie um, that was somehow, I don't understand how he pulled this off. But Millet is promising, and has campaigned on promising dollarization. Uh, to abolish the peso and to have everyone use the U.S. dollar. And so Millet is definitely an admirer of Menem, and he's an admirer of the previous right-wing president, Macri, elected in 2016. So, but Millet thinks that it will go very well, uh, even though Menem's administration led to the crisis of 2001, and even though Macri, um, uh, led to crisis deaths, led to hunger, erosion of many liberties, and Macri's administration ended in 2019 in almost as much unpopularity as the most recent administration. Mm -hmm. He indebted the country of the IMS for the historic sum of $49 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that uh, uh, this is uh, a government of a lot of, uh, of deja vu. Uh, deja vu? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, we were finished questions. No, I, 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 have, I have some questions. Um, it's, we, you've, but you've done a great job of catching me up on the history. And so my question now is um, regarding this moment. I mean, my understanding is that the 
just as in the United States, we're worried about inflation in uh, Argentina, it is even worse. Um, and that, uh, that, that uh, uh, Javier Millet has risen up uh, as of offering any kind of solution uh, to that economic uh, situation. And people have just grown tired of uh, Peronism and the and the and the off and the kinds of policies as eclectic as they might have been that were on offer to solve the economic situation, uh, and that is why they've turned to him, not so much out of um, a commitment to uh, his overall views or desire to return to a more authoritarian regime or, or anything along those lines, but just because he is offering a change is, is that right or um it is because he's offering a change i i don't think the discontent however of argentinians is with peronism itself to the contrary it is a nostalgia because it's peronism that changed um peronism went the way of the of blair of the british labor party uh very recently also, uh, um, uh, many people, the, the butcher in my neighborhood said, either it's Christina Kirchner or I'm not voting because Christina Kirchner had more ballsy policies. She refused to pay hedge funds. She insisted on, uh, taking on, on con- risking a conflict with the United States, international institutions. Um, whereas uh, uh, Alberto Fernandez and yeah, the strange thing is that Christina Kirchner, who was the widow of Nestor Kirchner, uh, who uh, uh, is a so you know he he came to power after two thousand one after the crisis. Uh, Nestor Kirchner was extremely popular, and Nestor and Cristina, they were often compared to Juan Domingo and Eva. Uh, not accurately, but still, uh, they had more populist policies. However, Cristina's party also, uh, uh, with her consent, has been gravitating more and more towards the economic center and trying to accommodate technocrats, uh, trying to appease supposed divisions in the society and in the middle class. Mm-hmm. And so every time Christina has appointed a successor, uh, she appoints somebody who is uh, middle of the roads, uh, technocrats, was, uh, who is partly a neoliberal, was definitely going to compromise on many of the policies that made her popular, that made her husband popular, that made Peronism what it, what it is, the mm-hmm. identity of Peronism. Uh, so Massa had been anti-Peronist and he was an economics minister. Alberto Fernandez uh, prioritized uh, accommodating on uh, uh, investors in the IMS, uh, uh, and so people wanted the old paradigm, 
but parallelism offered its rehabilitated self, which is a mixture. It's the extreme, what's been called an extreme center. So the mixture of becoming more centrist on economic issues and more vanguard on identity politics. Mm-hmm. So Fernandez supports, uh, um, feminist reforms of the Spanish language, trying to dismantle the Spanish grammar in official documents because the grammar is supposedly sexist, uh, very big on transgender, uh, awareness, uh, making ID cards that have a transgender neutral identification. Now, just to clarify, these, these, both these tendencies are within parentism. Is that, is that right? Um, the, the tendency to embrace identity politics and be a vanguard is one aspect. And then there's the other movement within the, with the party to have a more confrontational economic policy as well. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Um, Christina had a mix of that. So she promoted or she tolerated, she wasn't herself very much a fan of identity politics, but she Shot up, kind of like Bernie Sanders. It sounds like Bernie Sanders in 2020. Yeah, yeah because, because it was popular also. And the great achievement of, of the Kirchnerists uh, brand of Peronism is that it made Peronism something that the middle class of Argentina could embrace. Uh, before Kirchnerism, Peronism was seen as something like vulgar, like bad taste, like yeah, the society was divided between people who read Borges and Cortazar and like good music and people who are, you know, who like gross things and who are, who like Peronism and eat, you know, lousy food, choritan, uh, they call it, kind of hot dog, and Peronism. And so there was kind of insolence. See, I like Borges and hot dogs. I can, I can do both of those things. Together. Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll eat a hot dog while reading Borges. Um, yes. And what, what Kirchnerism's great achievement was to bring more of the middle class mm-hmm. into Peronism. But to do that, they had to appeal to middle class values and concerns. So feminism became, and, and the language of, of Western feminism North American and European feminism, Italian, whatever, became very, very important uh, and very much hyped in Peronism. So how large is the middle class in Argentina? Like, and how much of the voting population is middle class? Is it it that to get the votes you need to appeal to the middle class and the majority of working class people do not vote? Also, are there still... Agrarian people who are living on subsistence farming in Argentina um, or in Argentina, voting is obligatory. Everybody has to vote. It's so, okay. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, so everyone's responsible for that government. You can vote, uh, in, in blank, you can vote, you can say, I, I vote. I don't know how, what you, how you call that in, in English. Uh, uh, yeah. You can abstain. You can vote. No confidence. A vote. Yeah. A, a no confidence vote is possible. Yeah. Um, and there's also a lot of lesser evilism. So people often rubbish the far left for voting far left parties, um, but and not not going with a neoliberal. But everyone vote. votes, whether you're 
a worker or your upper class votes. Mm-hmm. The middle class is more populous in Argentina than in most other Latin American countries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, when you say that the identity politics was catching on with the upper middle class or the middle class, um, how did it manage to, why weren't the hot dog eaters the ones who, you know, won out within the, in, within this battle? Why, why, why was identity politics the more popular um, position within Peronism? Um, it, it wasn't more popular, but as the Peronists mainstream, I mean, the, the Christina Kirchner or Christina Fernandez in her presidency, she was very much persecuted. Uh, her vice president was put in prison. Um, she faced, uh, you know, she was under constant, uh, pressure from the media and from a very corrupt judicial system doing lawfare. And mm-hmm. so I think partly it might, might be a choice of personal well-being or survival, our children rotten and threatened. And so I don't know if that's a big part of her decision to go into concessionary politics, but she began to appoint technocrats and neoliberal successors and their way of filling the voids, uh, they, they want to make a radical sound, but they're choosing to embrace neoliberal managerial politics, which is unpopular. Um, but they also want to show that they are pro-feminists, pro-trans, um, wokeness in Argentina doesn't emphasize black, white relations much because we're a mixed society and we don't have a very visible, an as visible Afro minority as many other countries. It's, it's Mm -hmm. far more. So it's around gender issues and and mostly gender issues. Yeah. Uh, mostly gender. And so what happens with Alberto Fernandez is that he had a radical discourse, but turned out to be a bit like a kind of Biden. Uh, so just as Biden had his build back better, but then this mansion came along and Biden says, well, I'm paralyzed. I can do nothing now. Mm-hmm. Similarly, uh, in Argentina, there was a, a very um, corrupt, gigantic agro-industrial firm called Vicentin, which had many factories capable of producing food that could get the population through a lockdown, which was one of the longest lockdowns in the world in Argentina because our, our winter is during uh, June and July. Um, uh, and so, uh, there was an agro-industrial giant, which was so deeply, deeply indebted to the central bank that there was a legal precondition, a legal basis to expropriate for the state to expropriate this agro-industrial producer in order to then feed the population, which was uh, had been completely impoverished by years of Macri, by the largest IMF debt in the history of the nation, in the history of the world, uh, created by Macri, by uh, 
the longest lockdown in the world, uh, it was possible to get through that emergency situation by feeding the people. And Chaplanitz was at first very much in favor of expropriation. But then there was some um, weird uh, bureaucratic uh, controversy because there was a provincial judge who would not prove that the government would look into the private bookkeeping of the firm and then Fernandez threw his hands up and says, I can do nothing. And I think that that was the result of a backroom deal. But then he, so he capitulated on this, on this economic issue of expropriating the firm, but he kept pushing for more and more identity politics. He kept changing the subject away from food security of Argentinians, uh, inflation, uh, whether or not we keep cooperating with the IMF if it's not working out. He keep ch kept changing the subject to identity politics, new policies for gender. Uh, so the Ministry of uh, Gender and Diversities and Women uh, in Argentina has, I think, it, I'm not sure if it's 3.4% of the GDP. Uh, so people began to then become cynical towards progressivism. They began to associate progressivism and, and the new face of Peronism with uh, kind of hollow identity politics uh, mm -hmm. and with council culture and so on. And um, a girl from the Peronist left, Myra Arena, who's a very popular kind of influencer on the Peronist left because she comes from a slum, but she gave a TED talk about what it means to be a poor person in Argentina. Mm -hmm. She wrote uh, a Facebook post that was then published in, in, a, in a newspaper, uh, which is uh, a news, uh, called Infobae, and she accused the Paradise left of uh, having capitulated on economics and become left on in a, a, a moral ideological vanguard left that's basically fiscal conservative when it comes to economics. And when she published that, the Minister of Women's Issues, Gender and Diversities, at that time, Elizabeth Gomez Alcorta, tweeted at, to her or retweeted that the discourse of this girl resembles Bolsonaro, uh, Bolsonaro fascism. And so this kind of dynamic, which you call, uh, uh, you know, wokeness or political collection uh, mm -hmm. has been part of the disenchantments or the alienation of the public in Argentina. And many people want the old Peronism back. Millet, because he has, uh, you know, the hairstyle and he has a certain style of, you know, like his hand gestures, reminds people a bit of Peronism. And even is though it's kind of seventies, kind of a seventies to me. Look, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, he looks like he would fit in at a disco tech. I don't know. Uh, and, yeah. and, uh, would be wearing gold chains or something, but, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So you called this, you know, uh, when you wrote this piece for compact and this was published in December of last year. Um, so a year ago, nearly now. And, uh, 
the what you were really doing was warning the parents to pay heed to the need of uh, improving ordinary people's lives. Um, I t- I tend to think that um, these kind of deflections and distractions become uh, you know into something like identity politics or cancel culture or what have you are taken up uh, when improving people's lives isn't easy. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm yes. naive here, but, but, but maybe there is a desire to maintain an aristocracy in, in uh, Argentina that, that, that it, but I tend to think that sure. what most people would prefer is to have, you know, maybe a stratified society, but where everyone gets a, basically what they need and there's no need not to have vacations or weekends you know anymore um but unless there is unless the uh, economy demands tightening the belt and uh, austerity reigns because of inflation or whatever the yes. economic crisis happens to be um do you see that but in fact there is a social democratic or populist uh solution for argentina's economic woes that could have been implemented um i i think so um yes uh but the political leadership apparently doesn't see it that way uh right and but apparent i think there's no there's no choice we are in deadlock because Millet is, you know, there was a huge attempt to persuade the people that there's no other way. And so, and all kinds of writers from the literary establishments, they spread communiques, even though they're read mostly by people who are going to vote for Sergio Massa anyway. They spread communiques saying, please choose for democracy because Millet will bring us back to a dark period of our history. And... Uh, uh, and I don't think that the runoff between Massa and Millet was about democracy. I think it was about, it was about post-democracy. It was what happened in Argentina, uh, looks too much for the first time, like what happens in parts of the world where the left doesn't have that political instinct and, and that kind of network as it does in Argentina or as it used to. Like in France, uh, the French people have to choose. Will they have Macron, who they detest, who let the Notre Dame burn down, who causes great discontent, or will they support uh, the daughter of a fascist? Uh, do, do people blame Macron for the, the burning of the Notre Dame in France? Is that right, do you think? Uh, uh, well, Macron did privatize the maintenance of the Notre Dame, so I blame him, but I'm not sure that's the concern of Mo. I don't know if that's the concern. Right. No, but it is a, it it had not occurred to me until just now that, that, you know, he he was in in power and, and, um, yeah, so I, you know, those my priorities here. It's like, oh yes, the Notre Dame board down. How awful! But it was bad. I, I, that was a bad thing to happen. I thought it was um, terrible. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was really yeah. horrible. I liked Quasimodo. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
So, okay, so you you would say that some sort of New Deal uh, politics in Argentina would have a chance at overcoming inflation and uh, helping everyday people secure uh, a more livable life uh, in Argentina. I, I don't know. Uh, the thing is that would require going against the agreement of the IMF, uh, possibly. Right, right. The most so you, you'd be being stuck in the same places like Syriza was in, uh, in 2011, in a way, because you're going to be, um, but breaking with the IMF, there might be economic repercussions that, that are as bad as trying to pay to, to not, is to try to hew to the IMF's austerity programs and like uh, you know uh, well the, the, i'm guessing yeah go um, ahead oh the, well, well the idea was to avoid the de- to go along with the imf wishes was to avoid the defaults mm-hmm. uh, and also the kirsch nestor kirchner had had paid, paid off our original debts to imf that was caused by the loans made by the first military dictatorship which was not democratically right. elected Macri right. was democratically elected as he did what everyone could have predicted he would do. He indebted the country to the IMF. So it didn't seem like there was a strong moral case to not paying it back this time. Since we paid back the debt that was created by a dictatorship, uh, why wouldn't we pay back the debt created by Macri who was elected? However, uh, the real logic was to prevent the country from going into defaults and to, to back to 2001. But now we're going there at high speed anyway, because Javier Millet, like now he wants to, you know, to sell. Today he announced, or yesterday, he wants to sell Argentinian satellites to Carlos Slim, the richest man in the world, who's from Mexico. Uh, and so um, we're going there at high speed uh, anyway. So. I, I'm not sure what's, what's possibility, if this is a checkmate or catch-22. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what the way out is, really. I, I have some ideas that are eccentric for getting the country out of debt. Um, I think since the Europeans are absolutely terrified of refugees and immigration, uh, and Argentinians are much less so. Maybe they should offer the Europeans an exchange for debt relief, since much of the IMF is based in Europe, an exchange for debt relief that we absorb part of the world's refugee problem uh-huh. and go back to our roots as an immigrant country. Uh, I'm sure if I, I, I will write an article for one or the other Argentinian newspaper with that idea. Mm. Um, I also think that one way to get the country out of this problem is to try to reach an agreement with the British on the Falklands, Malvinas Islands, that if they want to, uh, to have a diplomatic relationship, then they should lower imports tariffs on our uh, produce and whatever, although that's a more boring or bureaucratic, or maybe not realistic, I don't know. Uh, 
Well, parentism definitely has to become less hierarchical because uh, the turn towards the extreme center and the rhetoric of lesser evilism in every election season got us here. Lesser evilism was the main, the triumphant, not the triumphant, sorry, but the, 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 the dominant message of Peronism to the left in 2016, uh, when Scioli, who was similar to Massa, uh, failed to get elected and Macri got elected. Uh, lesser evilism was also the rhetoric and, uh, before Alberto Fernandez was elected, and he was the most unpopular terrorist. If he was a terrorist, he was the most unpopular ever. And lesser evilism. So the Peronist left would tell people who are disenchanted, people who want more leftist Peronism, or people who militate in the uh, Marxists or, or Trotskyite parties. I don't know if you would consider them authentic Marxist Trotskyites. So. I'm not in a position to determine who's authentic and who isn't really. No. I'm trying to figure things no. out myself, really. Well, but yeah, well, the left, because of the failures of the Peronist mainstream, not only the far right, but the, the non-Peronist left, which is not necessarily anti-Peronist, was rising in Argentina and maturing. So in the province of Jujuy, which is the more Andes, more Native American region of Argentina, a young garbage collector, enter the very high position in office on the ticket of uh, um, a Marxist party. I forget if it was Fuerza Frente Izquierda or Partido Obrero. And that was historic because normally the left, the red, red parties are mocked as being childish, infantile, some beautiful girls from university who are handing out pamphlets to workers, telling them to rise and whatever. So the left is typically mocked as being this bourgeois affair, as anti-Peronist, but during the failures of Alberto Fernandez, the left began to mature politically and was becoming hope, more of a hopeful prospect, though it would never defeat Millet, who has a lot of uh, media collateral behind him. Uh, however, uh, before the recent failure, uh, people who support Massa were denouncing uh, these Trotskyites and leftist parties for not promising to vote for Massa, even though Massa is a liberal, a technocrat. Hmm. Um, so uh, what is the, um, I mean, the story that you've told me is a story of military coups, of uh, political exile, of um, the disappearance of the youth of, and of people for having any oppositional ideology um, in the past. How secure are the civil liberties of Argentinians today? I mean, is there, what is the constitution like there? Do you have a bill of rights? Is there, do you say the judiciary is corrupt? Uh, how safe are leftists in Argentina? Or, or anyone in opposition to the power. You, yeah, the, democracy and legislation is very developed and complex in Argentina, more so than in Venezuela, uh, much infinitely more so. Uh, so it, and and uh, it will take a, a very long time uh, for 
not a very long time. I mean, it would, it would not take a very long time for, uh, Millet to do something very bad because Millet, even though he is not an experienced governor, and even though he, I think, is being sincere about his belief in libertarianism, um, still he has made enormous concessions to the traditional rights. Mm-hmm. And that shows in how, uh, in how he appointed uh, Patricia Bullrich, Patricia Bullrich, who was, she is his, the Minister of Security now, and she was the Minister of Security during the Macri years. And Millet, uh, I think the biggest danger for Argentina is in Millet becoming a puppet of the traditional established rights. And he seems to be very admiring of Mauricio Macri, who's from uh, an industrialist family that's uh, gained most of his enterprises during the military dictatorship. Factories were expropriated from opponents of the dictatorship and given to his family. Uh, Patricia Bullrich is blamed for the death of Santiago Maldonado, a young hippie boy, uh, anarchist who joins protests of the Mapuche indigenous people uh, who are protesting the lands being sold to Bedaton and soon first was disappeared. Again, there were massive protests in the country for years of a slogan, where is Santiago de Maldonado? And people were um, disturbed that there was an echo of the 1970s for his disappearance. But finally, the security apparatus came under such scrutiny, international scrutiny also, that they made his body reappear. Uh, so clearly, you know, it's, it's very obvious what happened. And Bullrich was in charge of security at the time. Uh, Mauricio Macri also had a court case against him for spying. He spied, he, didn't, he used illegal surveillance against family members of uh, the missing crew of a submarine, a submarine that sank. And uh, the Macri administration had a cover-up as to the whereabouts of the submarine. The, I think it was called the San Juan submarine. It went missing in the, I think, in the Arctic. It sank, and they wouldn't reveal this because it was embarrassing. And we began to spy, to do wiretapping, the phone conversations that concerned family members, the whole members. So espionage was normal during the Macri years. It will be normal now, I think, because uh, Patricia Bullrich is, I think Patricia Bullrich is a, the more dangerous figure. She was also a presidential candidate. She had been in the Montoneros guerrilla organization against the dictatorship. She had fought with them, but then she turns to the, to the rights, to the, to the landowning rights. She's an activist for the interests of uh, military uh, figures. And I think that just as with Macri, a very important cause for Macri was to have, 
to, to put an end to the last human rights trials against generals and functionaries of the last dictatorship. And he also tried to get them out of prison. Were very inspiring protests against that. That was, I think, one of the most inspiring moments I witnessed in Argentina. Um, mm. The protests against his um, wanting to bail out all of the uh, war criminals at the time. Mm. I think mm. Millet will use his rhetoric or liberty to also liberate these people. Mm. I'm very worried about that. Uh, and however, I think the Argentine Ernest left also failed to defend civil liberties and adopted very bad positions on civil liberties that are similar to the rest of the Western left. Um, mm. mm -hmm. Well, um, listen, thank you very much for coming on and describing the situation. I don't, I don't expect you to have a clear uh solution you know uh nobody does right now but it is worthwhile to put it all in context and um uh, to see uh, uh javier as a as a symptom over of the, the this long history rather than as a unique threat you know or sweet generous um do you well, i guess i'll ask you this question in a kind of american-centric way Yes. Uh, do you think this indicates that we're going to see a rise of populism, that Trump will get reelected, that, 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 um, is this a canary in a coal mine situation for the rest of the world, do you think, or, or, or no? Probably. Uh, I mean, uh, his style more than his actual program, uh, resembles Trump and was very viral and also resembles the guy who recently won, I think the same weekend in the Netherlands. Mm. Uh, so, but these are very different programs, political programs. There's mm. nothing even pretending to be protectionists in Millet. But they're all anti-woke, aren't they? They're kind of they're like all anti-woke. They're all anti-woke. Uh, mm -hmm. which is, I, I don't find that redeems woke. No, no, it doesn't redeem wokeness and uh, it isn't, a, it doesn't redeem them either. Right. It's no. like nothing. Really. I, I'm afraid of both of them. Um, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. yes. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much. I'm going to, I'm going to end thank it you. there.